Hello, this is Joe Flair. Welcome to the Joe Flair Show, your monthly music podcast covering the lives of your favorite musicians. Before we get into this month's featured artist, I want to say thank you to all of you for the support I've received on my first four episodes. My most recent episode about modern pop star Dua Lipa got a lot of love. Anyway, for the fifth show, we are going to dive into the life of a prolific country singer. My lovely supporting guest Kit and I took a trip to Nashville earlier this month and felt inspired to follow that adventure up with some country tunes. Maybe you're noticing this episode barely squeaking in in the month of May, but we did it. It's mostly because we spent a chunk of the month on the road, and it was tough to get back into the work zone. Before I began this month's research, I knew nothing about this singer. But what I did know, and I'm pretty sure Kit also knew, is that this artist is a legend in the genre of music. Absolutely. I know basically nothing about country music. I mean, I can list a couple of the popular singers and maybe identify a few songs, but my knowledge is super shallow. What I've learned in our research is that today's artist paved the way for a new generation of singers, was very influential in his time, and left a mark on not only his musical genre, but music history in general. Well, who's the country singer, Joel? This month's featured artist is... Waylon Jennings. Waylon Jennings was born in Littlefield, Texas on June 15th, 1937. His original name was Wayland, with a D. But once his mother learned that there was a university of the same name, she decided to change his name to Wayland. Like some of the other artists we've covered on the show, Waylon Jennings got into music early in life. At eight years old, he learned to play the guitar. He actually performed on the radio at age 12, leading him to start a band as a preteen. Waylon grew so attached to music and was so determined to make a job out of his love of it that he dropped out of high school. According to a 1990 article from Tulsa World, Jennings became an advocate for dropout prevention later in his life. He said being a dropout made him feel like a quitter, and he knew he wasn't really a quitter. Waylon proved that by getting his own GED decades after leaving high school, and he told others that a high school diploma gives you a psychological advantage. That's interesting. After dropping out, Waylon worked a variety of jobs and got hired to DJ in 1956 at the radio station KVOW. Jennings actually lost this job when he went against the owner's wishes and played Little Richard. Jennings was picked up as the first DJ for the Lubbock station KLLL. Whalen met Buddy Holly there. Holly actually produced Whalen's debut single, John Blonde. Whalen also played as a bassist temporarily on Buddy Holly's tours. But sadly, this personal friendship, as well as the musical friendship, wouldn't last long. I'm sure many of you avid music fans and maybe even some of you less dedicated music listeners recall the death of the famous rock and roller Buddy Holly. 
I fall into the less dedicated category for sure, and I remember this horrible story. I thought you would, Kit. But there's an additional bit of that story that's probably lesser known, and if you are prone to crying during horrible, unexpected tales, well, get ready for the waterworks. For those of you who don't already know, Buddy Holly died in a plane crash in 1959. Two other musical celebrities died alongside Holly. 17-year-old La Bamba legend Richie Valens and Chantilly Lace singer The Big Bopper. Those are some huge names in music. Yeah, they were all stars at the time. This was such a tragic event that it was referred to as the day the music died. Oh, just hearing you say that makes me think I'm going to get American Pie stuck in my head. Oh man, once it is in there, it'll get stuck for sure. That song was actually written years after the crash, but Don McLean verified it was inspired by that horrible day. Well, Wellen Jennings was almost one of the passengers killed in the plane crash, as he was going to go along with Holly, but then opted not to, giving his seat instead to the singer The Big Bopper, who, at the time, felt sick with the flu. The saddest part of all was before the flight. Buddy and Jennings were lightheartedly joking with each other. According to the book Falling Stars, air crashes that filled rock and roll heaven by... Rich Everett. Holly said, Well, I hope your old bus freezes up. Well, Jennings said, Well, I hope your old plane crashes. Wow, that is a hard experience for Waylon. Both losing his friend, and I would guess it's shocking to realize how close he came to losing his own life. Yes. In fact, years later, he even blamed himself for the crash and said that he was the cause of it. But despite all this grief... Will and Jennings was on his way to becoming a certified star. Despite the grief from the loss of his friend Buddy Holly, Will and Jennings returned to music. He signed to an independent record label called Trend, where he recorded an album with his rockabilly group, The Whalers. If you haven't heard of the group, you aren't alone because they were a commercial flop. After a deal with A&M Records, Waylon Jennings met with legendary guitarist Chet Adkins. And through Adkins, he met Bobby Bear, the latter of which signed him to RCA Victor and was even featured in his bands The Waymores and The Old Dogs. Waylon had a slew of hits in 1969 and even won a Grammy for Best Duo Performance. Okay, when we were doing research, I remember reading something about a drama between RCA and Jennings. Is this a real thing or a false memory of mine? No, it was a thing, Kit. You probably have heard of it. As the 60s edged out, Jennings began to pioneer his signature outlaw country sound. But RCA didn't like this grittier style of country, preferring he'd stick to a more traditional country formula. Whalen being Whalen persisted on his own path. This didn't go smoothly. As Kent mentioned, there was tension between Whalen and RCA. At one meeting, RCA bosses Chet Adkins and Jerry Bradley sat down with Whalen to discuss his musical freedom. This was clearly a contract dispute. 
At the meeting, a frustrated Whalen got up to use the facilities. When the manager caught up with Jennings, he was curious to know where he had gone. When Whalen responded that he had to use the bathroom, the RCA manager said, Well, that was a $25,000 piss. Meaning, while Jennings was in the bathroom, RCA had agreed to give him 100% control over his artistry. Hold on, folks. Be right back. I gotta use the bathroom. If we were to go back even earlier into Jennings' career, we'd see that he has always been stubborn. At the CMAs in the 70s, Waylon Jennings was going to play his famous song, Only Daddy That I Walked the Line. But when the CMAs said they were running on a tight schedule and Waylon couldn't perform the full version, he was very upset. In fact, after the CMAs said that they didn't need him to perform, Jennings walked out of the show right then and there. He would do something similar to this on the late, late Tom Snyder show. When Whalen didn't get his full time that he was told to expect due to a segment with Dr. Laura running overtime, he just walked out, never appearing on the Tom Snyder show again. I watched a clip of Tom Snyder from that episode, and I only have one word. Awkward. But back to RCA. With his deal settled, Jennings released his first Outlaw Country album in 1973, Honky Tonk Heroes, the first album where Jennings' record label let him maintain his musical freedom. Honky Tonk Heroes was a huge chart success, coming in with a pair of number ones and a song that reached number two. Turns out RCA didn't need to worry about Jennings breaking the traditional country formula, there was an audience hungry for his outlaw style. Overall, Honky Tonk Heroes gained Jennings more attention for his music. Make sure you check out my Spotify playlist under Joe Flair after the show, where I've compiled Whalen's biggest hits from the Billboard country music chart. Well, well, well. Turns out stubborn Jennings showed RCA, huh? People liked this new creative style. Um, not exactly, Kit. I mean, people certainly did love Outlaw Country, but despite this obvious success, RCA didn't like how creative Jennings was being. Not wanting to take no for an answer, Jennings flew out to Los Angeles to meet with Mansfield. Whalen will do what he pleases. Thank you very much. Sounds like making Outlaw music wasn't much of a stretch for someone like Jennings, willing to break some rules and just stick to what he wants no matter what. That's right, and it's a good thing Whalen followed his gut and met with that producer, Ken Mansfield. Together, they recorded Whalen's album, Are You Ready for the Country? It spent 10 weeks at number one, was certified gold, and was even dubbed 1976's Country Album of the Year by the magazine Record World. Jennings also released the compilation, Wanted, The Outlaws, a collaboration between Willie Nelson, Tom Glazer, and Whalen's ex-wife, Jessie Coulter. Like I said in the beginning of this show, I don't know a whole lot about country, but I've heard of Willie Nelson. Besides being a collaboration, what made this album so special? Wanted, The Outlaws, 
became the first country album in history to sell one million copies. It also won for Album of the Year at the CMAs, where Whalen was also given 1976's Top Male Vocalist Award. Yes, the CMAs was the show that Whalen refused to perform at, but in the 70s, he was stacking up awards, including a 1976 Vocal Duo of the Year with Willie Nelson. To round out the 70s, a couple of Buddy Holly's band players delivered the deceased rock and roll singer's motorcycle to Whalen's hotel to help celebrate Whalen's 42nd birthday. When Whalen returned from his show and saw the motorcycle in his room, he started riding around on it, very noisily, despite the fact that it was midnight. He described it perfectly in his autobiography, knowing that Holly, quote, wouldn't mind. I guess this is just another example of Whalen doing what he wants when he wants. Where is that motorcycle now? At the Buddy Holly Center in Lubbock, of course. Lubbock was a place where Whalen used to live, though he went back and forth from Lubbock to Phoenix, from L.A. to Nashville. Whalen was having fun at the top of his career, but that doesn't mean his life was all smooth sailing. As much as the 1980s came with highs, specifically Whalen being in a band named The Highwayman with his friends Chris Christopherson, Willie Nelson, and Johnny Cash, it also came with lows. Whalen had a hit on the Billboard charts with the song Highwayman, but he also had an addiction to cocaine. He built up so much in debt paying for his habit that he eventually ended up going bankrupt. The DEA once came into his recording studio in search of the drug. Whalen and his drummer hid the cocaine in multiple places and flushed some of it down the toilet. Whalen was busted eventually, but due to lack of evidence, went free. That being said, agents had found 27 grams of cocaine in his studio before the DEA showed up. At this point, Whalen's career began to fade. He was mostly inactive on the charts, and if his songs did appear, they didn't chart high. In 1986, he signed to MCA Records. This deal didn't last long. He soon switched over to Epic Records, then he signed a contract with Justice Records in 1996. This sounds like a tough time in Waylon's life. Unfortunately, I already know that musical struggles weren't his biggest concern. You're right, Kit. Whalen's health was also in decline. He had diabetes, which got so bad that it affected his mobility and forced him to stop touring. In December 2001, only five years after signing with Justice Records, Whalen had to have his foot amputated. Jennings died from diabetic complications two months later on February 13, 2002. Before his death at 62, he was nominated into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Though Whalen is physically gone, his music remains a legacy. The famed country singer remains a legend for good reasons. He pioneered the outlaw country sound, a rougher style of the traditional genre with a sturdy tempo. Over the course of his career, Jennings had 10 number ones and worked closely with William Nelson 
winning an award for his song Mamas Don't Let Your Babies Go Up to Be Cowboys. Speaking out of awards, Jennings is consistently placed in the top 10 on a variety of top country artist lists. If you're a child of the 80s, you might be familiar with Jennings for his roles outside of the music scene. Does Dukes of Hazard ring a bell? Jennings not only acted on this hit 80s show, but also narrated it and wrote its theme song. If you were a little young for the Dukes of Hazard, maybe you spied Jennings in Sesame Street's film, Follow That Bird. I knew Will was unique, and I'll tell you what, I was really surprised when I heard this outlaw was on the classic series Sesame Street. Jennings had people who doubted him, but he kept persistent in his vision, and it's a good thing he did. He inspired many musicians, and his name is recognizable, even to those of you who aren't avid music listeners like myself. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joel Flair Show. Don't forget to check out Willem's biggest hits from the Billboard Country Music Chart, compiled onto one playlist on Spotify under Joel Flair. I'm Joel Flair. This is DJ Flasher. Bye. Wilson. <laughs> Wilson. Two more Podcast is an Elf Pie production.